Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What is going on? I am in a studio for the first time in a week. We are coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit GEICO.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. This is the Jason Martin Show. This is Fox Sports Radio. I am Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter, technically, at jmartzone. The telephone number is 877 on Fox. The crew is Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, and Eric Roberts. You will hear from them plenty during this show. The good news is... Even though there aren't games being played, there is news being made. So we actually have some things to talk about, but we're going to get plenty of pop culture in on this show. So get ready. We're going to have a three-hour ride here, and we start in a very obvious place in Tampa Bay. Well, it sounds obvious. It's obvious now. Whoever it was that was going to land Tom Brady was going to become the center of the sports universe, perhaps. That's one of the reasons why when it was being discussed that I do the show here in Nashville, Tennessee, and the discussion of whether or not he was going to end up here was, well, they're going to pay Tannehill, which they ended up doing, or did you want to bring in Brady? And I said it was going to be a two-year proposition either way, ideally, if it were me making the decision. But the thing about Brady is wherever he goes, 
he brings a whole lot of eyeballs that wouldn't otherwise be there. The Chargers could desperately use that. The Tennessee Titans, even though they made the AFC title game, aren't a team that really just rolls off the tongue of a casual NFL fan. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when's the last time, for a positive reason, they were the first line on the headlines for whatever the sports section is. And this isn't just the Tampa Bay Times anymore. This is the Chicago Tribune, the Boston Globe, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times. Wherever you are, you're going to see stories about Tampa Bay and photos from their games leading off your sports section the next day. Because Tom Brady is a needle mover. And he's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I still can't believe this is actually real. You heard my prediction from the start. I didn't think he would leave New England. So this is where I take that L and say, well, I guess things were worse than I thought. Maybe this does go back, as some reports have put out there, to Tom Brady never getting over Bill Belichick wanting Jimmy Garoppolo over him a few years ago. Maybe the Seth Wickersham article, there was more truth there than we thought. Or maybe Tom Brady just looked at the Patriots organization and said, there's a lot that we need in order to win another Super Bowl. And I look at Tampa Bay, and I think you can go pros and cons here, but let's look at the pros from Tom Brady's perspective. The first pro is the weapons. What he has not had in a long time, and rarely has he had during his time as a New England Patriot, are weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. O.J. Howard, even though he was in the doghouse most of last year, according to CBS and others, with Bruce Arians, we know what a stud he is. Cameron Brait really came on last year. I don't really love Ronald Jones in that running game, but who knows? The defense has some holes, but they also have some talented guys. The offensive line might worry you a little bit, especially with a statue-like quarterback like Brady at 43 years old. But this is a team with some groceries. This is a team Tom Brady can work with. He pretty much was Edelman or bust in terms of who he could trust last year, and even Edelman dropped a pass in their last game, in his last game as a Patriot, meaning Brady's last game as a Patriot in the loss to the Titans in the the, uh, wildcard round. Now he's got a number one wideout for sure in Mike Evans, a really good secondary guy in Godwin. Really all they need to work on potentially is finding the slot guy of his dreams, but there's even talk of people that he's been associated with in the past finding their way down there the other big pro and when this happened I started to wonder why would you go to Tampa Bay and not to for instance Tennessee and then it hit me expectations I wondered how many more games Tom Brady could have won in the starts Ryan Tannehill had here last year for Tennessee. And I thought, I guess maybe you could change one result. Maybe they could have beaten the Panthers on the road. But maybe they lose another game. Outside of Belichick, we don't exactly know what Tom Brady's going to look like in a new system. But Tannehill played about as good as you can expect and had the highest passer rating in the league and won 17 point, whatever it was, 117.4, I think it was. So how much better was Tom Brady going to make them than they already were last year? I still don't think they would have beaten Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, if Tom Brady were to come to a team that was within an eyelash of getting to a Super Bowl, and he 
wins 10 games and gets them to the divisional round, that's kind of a failure. The last thing Tom Brady should want to do at this point in time is make it appear like Bill Belichick was more responsible for his success than he was himself. That's where we're going to be paying attention now. Even though it's not going to be a perfect comparison. Who made who? And I think they both made each other. But if Tom Brady goes to a team that was that close and then he doesn't win a Super Bowl for them, what does that say? I look very similarly to the way I felt about Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma, and that actually went better than I expected. He went to Oklahoma, who had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners in Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, who were incredibly accurate, who had both thrown for around 5,000 yards or a little bit more. And the reason Jalen Hurts couldn't keep his job at Alabama, despite only losing two games in the entirety of his career with the Crimson Tide, was because he wasn't as good a passer as Tuatongo Vailoa. So what exactly was Jalen Hurts going to do? I said, well, if he goes there and loses three games, that's still a really good season. But at Oklahoma, that's a failure. If he does anything but win the national championship, it's kind of a failure. Now, that didn't turn out to be entirely true. Jalen Hurts was better than I thought he was going to be, even though there were still the flaws there. But Oklahoma just seems like there's a couple of tweaks that need to be made across the board for them to really actually get to a championship game and win it. They can get to the playoff just fine, but that's about as far as they can get. So he didn't take them any further, but I don't know that it was a disaster either. But if you really think about pressure, I mean, think of, here's another example. What about Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City and going to Golden State? He left a team that had the Golden State Warriors on the ropes in the playoffs. They came back from 3-1 and beat them. And then they barely missed winning the championship because of Draymond Green getting suspended and that crazy game seven with the chase down block and the big three from Kyrie. And then Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City and he goes to Golden State. Now that worked out because they did win a championship. They were so loaded with talent, there was no way that they couldn't. That's not the case if you go to Tennessee if you're Tom Brady. It's not like Tennessee is a roster that you look at and you just marvel at or drool over. They've got a very young but seems like a great receiver in A.J. Brown. They've got the rushing champion, yes. They've got a young coach on the rise in Vrabel. They've got a pretty solid general manager. But the only thing that Tom Brady could do that they haven't already done is actually win a Super Bowl. But if you go to Tampa Bay, think about what you're replacing. Think about the expectations for Tom Brady replacing Mr. Interception himself. If he goes there and he wins 10 games this year, and he wins 11 games next year, for instance, and they don't win a Super Bowl, it's not going to be declared a failure. Because, when again, when's the last time you really talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being relevant for a positive reason? The answer probably is when John Gruden actually won a Super Bowl with that team or you know, right there at the the end of the Dungy era. It's been a minute, folks. So if he goes down there and let's say, I don't think this is going to happen, by the way. I don't think he will win another Super Bowl. But if he goes down there and somehow was able to do it, think about how high the accolades would be from taking that franchise 
as opposed to taking one that was on the doorstep of a Super Bowl a year ago, a team that has been in the playoffs a couple of times in the last handful of years. It just, I don't think that there's nearly as much of a risk here. He's playing to win a championship and he sees weapons. The one thing I disagree with is the talk that, all oh, Bruce Arians is a quarterback guru. Who exactly out there believes that Tom Brady needs a quarterback guru as his head coach? We're not talking about Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Drew Locke or one of those young gun quarterbacks that you're still kind of trying to figure everything out about. Kyler Murray and, you know, obviously Kingsbury getting that job because of what he could do for Murray. We're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't know that he needs to be tweaked by Bruce Arians. But this move makes a lot of sense for Tom Brady when you look at the idea that there's not that much pressure on him. I don't think. Especially if you listen to some of the prognosticators, and that's what I want to talk about on the other side of this break. But if you look at all the factors, there was a whole lot more risk in going to a really good team than a team that had good players but was underperforming. You don't want to replace Nick Saban at Alabama. You don't want to replace Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. You don't want to replace Dabo Swinney at Clemson. You don't want to replace Bill Belichick in New England because the best you can do is be as good as them. That's how impossible it is. Now, if you get away from it, like in the case of Saban, Bear Bryant was way before that, and then you had Gene Stallings who won that championship, and then since then you had kind of a fleet of Mike Shula and Dennis Francione and Riley, and you had a lot of guys that, let's face it, didn't really get the job done in the way that Tide fans wanted. And then Saban's able to come in. He's not replacing Bear Bryant. He's replacing a fleet of guys that had disappointed. Who is Tom Brady replacing? Tom Brady at 43 years old is replacing Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, who is as big a boom or bust quarterback as you can find in the NFL. He will throw you four touchdowns or 17 interceptions in a game. I mean, stop and really think about that. Think about the comparison of where where he's going and who he's replacing. The Chargers obviously are coming off of a bad year because it looked like Rivers was done. So maybe that would have been okay. But Tampa Bay is a situation where he knows he has the weapons that could overcome some of maybe his deficiencies at his age. Maybe some of his confidence is lacking. But I think, look, it's a two-year deal. I think it's highly possible that both Tom Brady and Bruce Arians walk away from the game together in two years. Arians is 67 years old. I read Will Brinson's piece at CBSSports.com where he talked about Arians is 67. Brady, I already predicted this whole time, was two years and out. Unless this goes really poorly this year and he decides to hang it up, I think he'll play two years and that'll be it. I could definitely see Arians, who's had health problems, that this is a win-now kind of thing. And you bring in a guy with that IQ, with that football IQ, he's seen it all, he's done it all, he's won six Super Bowls, you bring him into your organization, and then you put him around guys that are hungry, guys that are talented, 
and guys that are actually going to be sure-handed, which is something he has not had in a few years. I understand why he made this move. I'm still surprised he did. And yes, I got it wrong. I thought he was going to stay in New England. And I think it did come down to the Patriots and the Bucks in the end. But he left. And he went to Tampa Bay, and that's why. Less pressure. And a whole lot of accolade if he's able to take them from where they were to where they're going. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about, and this is going to be a weird segue, but it'll make sense because it'll be a perfect segue. I want to talk about why I don't play computer poker. At least video game poker. I'll explain why, and it relates to Brady as well. And it also relates to this profession, this media profession that we do here on Fox Sports Radio. I'll talk about that next. This is the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Lithium going to make you feel better right now? There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Which Not version? sure. Yeah, well, this is a song probably most responsible for making me a Nirvana mega fan. <laughs> I mean, I listened to Smells Like Teen Spirit and Come As You Are, but it was the Lithium video where I was like, okay. It just all clicked for me there. If you want to hear something amazing, Discover's matching all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. 
And it's actually gotten more amazing than the last time I told you about it because Discover's now accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. That's much higher than it once was. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2019 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Tom Brady, first segment. Now I want to tell you about why I don't play or why I stopped playing video game poker. I love Hold'em. I haven't played it in a long time, but I used to have a group of friends. We'd sit down and play on the weekends. We have a very, very, very small buy-in. It was, but I'm going to explain why we did it. I don't really care for gambling very much, but I need to caveat this because you can play this in a different way, but maybe the way I should say it is, here's why I stopped buying PlayStation 2 and Xbox poker games, because there's no risk. There is no risk because there's no accountability because it's fake money. If I sit down with you and I play a game of poker, okay, not even video game poker, and we are not playing with real money, we pull out like, I don't know, Monopoly out of the closet or something, we pull out the money and we give each other an equal amount, and we're betting Monopoly money. How many more hands are you going to hang on to through the river? Because who cares whether or not you end up losing? You have no skin in the game you know it's not going to cost you anything if you get it wrong. If you chase that down to the river with a 2% probability, oh, well, I guess I got to hand you this $500 Monopoly money with Uncle Pennybags on it. That's why I stopped playing, because I could not make myself play the way I would play if money was actually involved. And the computer, obviously, was just playing whatever. And then there's all sorts of other issues if you're actually playing for real money. But I'm saying why you don't play for no money. You can't fake gamble because you don't make the same value judgments because there's no value. Now, why am I talking about this? As soon as Tom Brady to Tampa Bay happened, and I knew it was coming, here come the experts to say what a terrible move this was. Oh, nine and a half, definitely going to go on the under here. Tom Brady's going to win five games. He's going to win six games. He's not going to make them any better at all. And really, the same people are saying they're going to win 13 or 14 games. It doesn't matter, though. We can say whatever the heck we want behind these microphones in terms of predictions. Because when's the last time it actually cost any of us anything to be wrong? Maybe you remember something I've said that turned out not to be true, and maybe you call me out on Twitter. But honestly, that doesn't mean anything. There's no accountability. That's why we live and exist in a hot-take society. And this goes for politics and everything. You don't have to be right. That's the key. That's the crucial factor that leads to the nonsense that you're subjected to on radio and television on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't matter if you're wrong because all you do the next day is say something else. And we have moved on. Our attention spans don't remain with your bad take about whether LeBron's going to win this game or lose it. They're going to move to whatever your next take is. They'll forget about it. Maybe a few people won't, but there's no accountability system. I don't know exactly what the answer is, but when I see that Tom Brady stuff, I'm just like, well, of course. 
the same people you would expect to say that about Tom Brady going and failing and making a horrible decision going to Tampa Bay when they haven't seen anything yet would matter, but that it doesn't. So I've been racking my brain for days, and this is something I've thought about for a long, long time. How can we change this? At least on this program, how can we change this? How can a show in this day and age of hot takery and non-sensory and all of this craziness and crap, how is it that we can actually be held to account? And I know it's still sort of fictitious because it doesn't necessarily cost you anything, but is there a way for my opinions to actually be tabulated by my crew? Is there a way that they, when I give some kind of a major prediction, can actually put a tick mark in yes and a tick mark in no? And the reason why you never see anybody do anything like this is because, let me let you in on another little secret about this industry. We are wrong an awful lot. And we don't like people finding that out. We're wrong way more often than we're right. Almost everybody. I don't know what the percentages would be because we haven't actually seen anybody try this before. But I want to. I want you guys, Eric, Chris, Brian, I want to find a way to just see how bad I've been. Or see how good I can be. How mediocre we can all be. If there's a way to somehow create an accountability system... And it's hard like when you're doing NFL picks and you're doing all the games like we were doing there, but we can we can figure something out. There's a lot of smart people associated with this show and associated with this brand and associated with this network. I don't want to go down the hot take road. If I say something that seems outlandish and it turns out to be wrong, then that needs to go in some kind of a column. And then we can go back and we can say, okay, well, what did you get right? What did you get wrong? Oh, Tom Brady didn't, didn't stay in New England, didn't get that one right. I don't know how you do this, guys, but I feel like that's what's missing right now in media is a trust factor because the hosts know that they can get away with saying absolutely anything because the next day they can just say something else and then you forget about what was said the day before or two days before or three days before. I feel like this would create a level of transparency maybe never before seen in sports media And it would require all of us basically swallowing all of our pride, all of our ego, and all of our arrogance if we did it. But I also think it might be refreshing. And now I stop talking and say, am I nuts to suggest this? Now, uh, should we keep a little chalkboard here, Eric? We should keep a little chalkboard, just uh, tabulate everything up on the side, just kind of like a stock ticker or something. I do like the idea of accountability. <laughs> you know, I'm sure if you you frequent Twitter enough, you've seen the the, the what count, was it freezing the, yeah, cold the freezing takes, cold takes, old takes exposed, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Fred but, Siegel, yeah. But no, I agree 110 percent with you. Like it is kind of just throwing it against the wall, and, and when something sticks, it sticks. And then you'll just assume the day after, you know, something is wrong. You said it a month ago. Nobody's going to remember, kind of thing. But you will also remember. I'll go back and point out the times I'm right, but you'll forget about the times I'm wrong, obviously. So I do like the idea of accountability, and I do. 100% agree the the hot take era of sports radio is just so, so hard to deal with because of the lack of accountability and just everybody's just throwing it at the wall and they need to be the next quote the next hot take that gets you know that gets the the, the social media cycle I I guess for me I I don't mind if someone's wrong I just I just would like several things when people are wrong or 
Uh, I would say, first off, if you're going to go out there with something, I want to at least hear your reasoning. I want a good reason for it so you're just not, you know, just throwing something out. As you say, throwing something at a wall. If if your logic is sound, but you're still wrong, that's fine by me. The other thing, Mm -hmm. too, is just... Again, the humility to like laugh off a lot of you know if you, if you've got a bad streak going on, it's fine. I've you know I, when I was running a Lions podcast, I'd always be wrong a lot, so I just kind of laugh it off, and I just go back to I mean, I, I think more people need the mentality of uh, Joe Rogan, who I know does his own podcast. Who I know every time he starts an interview with someone, he's always saying, "Look, man, I I'm really stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about." And that's right. a little bit that's a little bit of overplay on on Rogan's part, but it it underscores a point. It's to have that humility to say, I you know I can be wrong, and I want to learn, and I want to try to get better, and I don't know everything. I and I know for in this industry, like the ability to project that you are all knowing is very powerful. But I think there is room for again the humility when you are wrong. To just say, yeah, I got this one wrong. You know, my logic might have been sound, but I just scored wrong here. So we'll just laugh it off and uh, try to do better next time. Yeah, I just I think it's very easy to just continually throw out the single most outlandish stuff that you think is going to just hook a listener because, you know, your opinion even if it turns out to be wrong, it's going to be forgotten because you can just move on to all these other opinions. And I think it's created a dearth of integrity in what it is that we do. I think that you can have passionate opinions that are informed, but that also are grounded. I think your point there is apt, that you do need to have foundation. You need to have reasoning. You can't just throw out craziness for the sake of craziness. And I think... More often than not, that ends up happening. So in this argument, for example, where Brady is replacing Jameis Winston, and then it's immediately, and these are, look, it's not even necessarily people I don't respect, but then it's Tom Brady's barely a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. But all they say is that. And if you go look at the stats, the stats back that up to some degree where he's 15 to 20 in all these different categories last year, but the guys that are above him, you would never take over Tom Brady, ever. Like, I mean, some of the names were mind, like Case Keenum was above him in all of these different categories. Who in their right mind, including Case Keenum's family, are taking Case Keenum over Tom Brady at this point in time? And look, you can say that he's the 20th best or the 19th best or the whatever, but when you do that, you just look at the numbers and you fail to mention the problems with that, which is what exactly did he have around him offensively last year? That's the issue. The issue is where he's going compared to where he was and the weaponry that he now will possess. Yeah, there are some issues in Tampa Bay with their roster as well, but it ain't with the offensive side in terms of the positions, in terms of guys that can turn around and catch the football for him. He's going to be in better shape there than we've seen in quite some time. And I'm not even saying that they turn out to be wrong about their prediction, but how crazy is it for you to immediately just say this is an A or an F or this is going to be a total success or a total failure when there's so much unknown out there? The reason you can do it is because if you turn out to be wrong, you know that America's attention span is going to let you get by with it. Let you slide right on to the next one. And then you can also be the stubborn jerk 
that keeps that take even if it does go well and you can try to excuse it away with oh well look at all the talent around him now he's not even responsible for this there are all sorts of little nasty caveats surrounding this let's bring in brian finley let's uh, get a look at no games but maybe <laughs> some information i don't know b I, your updates at this point i just sit back and listen because i have no idea what's about to come out of your mouth oh it's a, it's a journey ride and, and jason you, you spoke about yeah. how, how how much people get stuff wrong as far as hot takes you think about baseball guys you know you can hit 300 which means you swing and a miss 70 percent of the time and you're getting paid gazillions of dollars if you can hit 300 if you are making 50 yeah. percent of your shots in, in the nba i mean you are an elite company in the nba so people are getting paid a whole lot of money to make a whole lot of wrong decisions and obviously you have to mm-hmm. include people that are meteorologists as well and they get paid to make a whole lot of mistakes USA Track and yeah. Field, yeah. So USA Track and Field Chief Executive Max Siegel lobbying for the Olympics to get pushed back. In a letter to the U.S. Olympic Committee, he wrote, quote, Unfortunately, while our world-class athletes are willing to push themselves to their athletic limits in pursuit of Olympic success, the likelihood that they will be able to properly train in a safe and adequate environment and replicate the excellence we all have come to expect does not appear likely in the midst of this global crisis, end quote. And as of now, they're still set to start the Olympics July 24th in Japan. Trey Jones enters his name into the NBA draft pool. Syracuse's top scorer Elijah Hughes also plans on playing pros, playing in the pros. Grad transfer forward Seth Towns picking Ohio State. He's got two years of eligibility and rebuked an offer from Duke. Nelson Aguilar uniting with the Las Vegas Raiders on a reported one-year contract. The Colts dispose of quarterback Brian Hoyer and Indy publicly confirming the signing of Philip Rivers. Rivers afterwards voiced a message on Twitter. Hey Colts fans, Philip Rivers here. Uh, my family and I are super excited uh, to, to be a part of the Colt family. Uh, I know I've been an opponent for many, many years. But I've always had a great deal of respect uh, for this organization, this fan base, and looking forward to a great 2020 season. Jason, I don't know if you saw that video of Philip Rivers, but it looked like he taped it in the bathroom, and you could see that yeah. there were the shower curtains behind him. So the chances of him sitting on the john while he was doing that have to be pretty high as far as the odds. I'm not a gambling man, though. Back to yeah. you, <laughs> Back to you, my friend. That's very, very funny. I've got a lot of Colts fans uh, who are friends of mine as that team is only a few hours up the road and a lot of friends of mine in in Indiana, and they're not thrilled about this because they've always hated Phillip Rivers. Even when he was good, they hated Phillip Rivers because if he didn't play for you, most people hated Phillip Rivers. I'm one of the few that didn't. Of course, he did go to the first school I attended, NC State University, but I don't know if he's got anything left or not, but I think he might still probably be a better option this season than Brissett is. So we'll see. If he's on the John doing <laughs> videos, okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe just make sure you disinfect that phone, Philip. We don't need a COVID 19 case in Indy once you get there. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios. We're brought to you by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800 947 Auto. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. One other point about Brady to Tampa Bay. He has put himself in a spot that he's probably very unfamiliar with, and that is is in a very good division of quarterbacks. One of the the things I would say is a con for going to Tampa Bay is the competition. 
the NFC much deeper than the AFC. And the quarterbacks in particular are far better in the NFC and the AFC from top to bottom. But just in this division, he's going to match up with Matt Ryan twice, Drew Brees twice, and Teddy Bridgewater twice. Think about what he has gotten used to playing in the AFC East for his entire career. There's that website. Maybe I'll try to find it during the break, as a matter of fact, but maybe we'll talk about it later on in the show. But there's a list of all the quarterbacks in the AFC East that he's faced in his entire time, and it's just it is unbelievable. First off, how long the list is, meaning just how many quarterback changes there were uh, on the other three teams with Miami and with the Jets and with Buffalo. But he just went to a place where Matt Ryan, who he's met in the Super Bowl before, who, of course, Matt Ryan blew that lead. It wasn't really his fault, but his team blew that lead. But he's playing Matt Ryan twice and Matt Ryan's weapons. He's playing Drew Brees twice and Drew Brees' weapons. And he's playing Teddy Bridgewater, who looked awfully good, and he's going to be out there with Matt Rule in the first season. That's going to be dicey. If they struggle from a record standpoint, it's because the schedule's going to be tougher, and there's teams that can score points in the NFC like crazy because you have a whole lot. Plus, they're playing the AFC West. That's one of the two divisions they're matching up with, um, which means they're playing Mahomes. Now, the rest of the AFC West, maybe not quite as much, but Mahomes plus Breeze plus Ryan plus Bridgewater, and I haven't looked at all the rest of the schedule just yet, that is difficult. That's definitely more than Tom Brady is used to. He is playing in a division full of quarterbacks, or at least two guys that you really fear, and then a third guy that you might fear if he's able to show that what we saw in New Orleans was not just a function of who he had around him. He does have a little bit of talent in Carolina. It looks like they're going to be in a prove-it situation or because Rule's going to want to show that he knows what he's doing. Tepper's going to want to show that was the best move possible. Then, of course, you've got McCaffrey and you've got everything else there. But that's a new world, I think, for Tom Brady. You guys, before we go to break, were how surprised were you that it was Tampa Bay? And did you think about the idea that the division that he's moving into is a far cry from what he's been used to in terms of the difficulty of the AFC East compared to the NFC South? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm wearing a Bills sweatshirt right now. So I understand um, the AFC East. <laughs> yeah, you know all yeah. about the AFC he's, East. Uh, he's, I pulled up some numbers for him on an earlier show. He's 32-3 and three against Buffalo all time. So just throwing that <laughs> out there. The only I, team I, that really gave him struggles in the East was Miami. Miami, Miami but yeah, Miami in, never really was a playoff team, so it could really right. yeah. So, I mean, and outside of Denver, he has a winning record against every other team in the league. So, um, But, yeah, obviously a move out of the AFC East is going to be completely different because there's not just doormats all the, all the way around. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to win the division. But I do think I would have, when it comes down to difficulty in division, I felt like he would have gone for the NFC South just because I feel like the gap between him and Mahomes is bigger than him and the rest of the division in the NFC True. East. Or NFC South, sorry. I, I think the South is just kind of open for grabs, and it's a division in flux right now. I, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback in Carolina. It's not going to be Cam Newton at this rate. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to see how much, you know, if Drew Brees has – uh, I'm sorry, I have to make sure he's still a quarterback there just because I've been out of it. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, we're going to see if Drew Brees still has something in the tank there and in New Orleans. And this is a division that just seems to flip-flop between winners every year. Yeah, like these teams are, for as much as they're known for, you know, big wins, big numbers, 
Um, they're also known for flops. You know, Matt Ryan is you know, a notorious choker after the Super Bowl. Drew Brees has come up short in some pretty big games in his career. So maybe, you know, Brady saw the, the overall the competition is better than the AFC East, obviously. But maybe he saw there's more kinks in the shields in the NFC South than going against a young Mahomes for the next two years. I feel Tampa was yeah. more of a lifestyle choice than anything for him at the end of the day. No maybe. taxes, you know, being in Florida. But at the same time, too, like... To, to your point from the previous segment, he he is an upgrade over Jameis Winston by every stretch of the imagination, and maybe that's all that the Buccaneers need to get over the hump to get through a division that is very much mercurial chaos, which, again, we don't know what's going to be with the Falcons. We don't know if they'll bounce back with retaining their coach. We don't know how the Panthers will be. We don't know if the Saints still have that magic. Like It is open for him. It's not guaranteed, but he's right. got a chance to prove himself for sure. Yeah, and it's a no-brainer if you're Tampa Bay. Like, you get that guy if you can get that guy because you just put yourself on the map. You're going to be the most talked about, most intriguing team in all of pro sports not named the Houston Astros probably this year. You're going to be all over the place. And I mean national shows are going to be talking about Tampa Bay on a week-to-week basis. That is a no-brainer decision for them. When we come back, I'll give you a no-brainer decision. We debut a new segment. I'm going to give you things that you can watch on your couch that aren't going to get canceled. We'll do it next. It's the Jason Mard Show on Fox Sports Radio. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Good stuff. Want to hear something amazing? Discover Match and all the cashback you earn at the end of your first year automatically. No limit to how much they're going to match. Millions of people a year getting their cashback match. Discover Cashback Match. What are you waiting for? Learn more at discover.com slash cashback match. So, everybody's holed up. People aren't leaving. We don't know how long it's going to last. Could be a couple weeks. Could be a couple months. Who knows? There are some bad projections out there. There's some mid-range projections. And then there's some nothing projections. But we know that most of us aren't going out right now. You can't even sit in a restaurant. They're doing everything they can. There's free delivery from all your favorite restaurants right now. Everybody is trying to find a way. So, I want to make it easier for you. So we're going to give you at the end of each hour, throughout this time, and this may just become a thing, honestly, because if you don't know, I write and I've been a television and film critic for much of this decade I write about that for a large part of my living. I've hosted multiple podcasts about this. I've been a guest on other people's shows about this. And I originally, when I was going to do this show here, I was going to weave a lot more pop culture than I think we actually have. But in the final segment, this is a little abbreviated, but I'm going to give you a recommendation from the bunker, not the Archie bunker, the COVID-19 bunker. This is something that you can rent or purchase or stream from the couch from the sofa, from the recliner, from your living room. Something maybe you have not thought of, and maybe some of these are going to be a little obvious, but I'm going to try to find some that you haven't seen. So let me give you one right now. There's a documentary on Hulu entitled Too Funny to Fail. And it's all it's the story of the Dana Carvey show, which was 1996 on ABC. Sketch comedy show. Of course, you know Dana Carvey after he left SNL. This was going to be huge. And they put it in prime time and gave it a home improvement lead-in, which is the best lead-in you could have possibly had in television. The people associated with this show, it was created by Dana and Robert Smigel, who did who went on, and actually this was the launch pad for the TV Funhouse stuff that he would do on SNL. Longtime SNL contributor was Smigel. But first jobs, really, for Steve Carell, who they found at Second City in Chicago, and Steve Carell's understudy, a guy by the name of Stephen Colbert. Also Bob Odenkirk, who had done some other sketch stuff and has done plenty since, including Play Saul Goodman. Head writer on the show, a guy by the name of Louis C.K. Also associated, Charlie Kaufman, who would win an Academy Award for directing and writing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You had Spike Ferriston, who came from Seinfeld and The Simpsons, and Robert Carlock. Robert Carlock is best known for co-creating 30 Rock, as well as the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. This should have been a can't-miss. This documentary is called Too Funny to Fail because this show ran seven episodes, was so subversive and so wrong for the network that put it on, especially when they got bought out by Disney, that it never had a chance. It turned viewers off from the very first skit. A lot of them never to come back. Critics tore it apart. It's amazing when you think of the level of talent that this thing did not even make it a full season. Really didn't even make it a half season. Another person that contributed material for the premiere was Greg Daniels. He adapted The Office. I mean, the names I just mentioned. Watch this thing. It's called Too Funny to Fail. It's sitting on Hulu. If you have a Hulu subscription, it's totally free. It's about an hour and 25 minutes. 
absolutely tremendous takes you into how difficult it is to do a sketch comedy show on the networks we'll give you a new respect for lauren michaels and saturday night live we'll be right back hour number two of the program glad to have you with us wherever you are hope you're safe and feeling well hope that's true for everybody in your life it's a jason martin show here on fox sports radio we're brought to you by Geico. The studios were brought to you by Geico as well. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com and get yourself a free rate quote. My name is Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, which if you want to know what COVID-19 has done, Broadway is shut down. I'm driving in and all I see are a couple of police cars in front of bars that I usually have to dodge all sorts of people and Ubers and Lyfts and everything else to get to this studio, and it's a ghost town. That is honestly pretty jarring just to drive by and see how desolate it is. So we're going to keep it anti-desolate here, try to make it fun and evaluate sports and talk some pop culture. Talked about the Dana Carvey show cancellation documentary, Too Funny to Fail. Came out in 2017. Um, right there for you on Hulu. That is a perfect, and it's the first ever recommendation from the bunker. And the Dana Carvey show, which tried to be Monty Python instead of SNL, but just had the wrong lead in and was on the wrong network. Originally, they were going to do it on HBO. Probably should have done it on HBO. But you can actually watch the whole series on Hulu as well, and you can see why it didn't necessarily work, despite it was definitely what launched the careers of Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert. Neither one of them ends up on The Daily Show or anywhere else, most likely, without everybody figuring out and watching what they did there. As a matter of fact, I think The Daily Show hired Steve Carell pretty much because he was in one particular skit on The Dana Carvey Show that they liked, and then they found out Colbert was the other one, and they brought them both into The Daily Show, and, well, the rest is history there. Speaking of history, this is... Here's one of those statements. I don't know if this is a prediction, though. So this isn't one that can go on the whiteboard. But guys, out in L.A., Chris, Eric, Brian, when I say worst franchises in pro sports, what's the first thing that comes to your head? New York Knicks. I knew it. That's 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 what I'm looking for right there. Just hey, Is there another no, one? I, for, I mean, for me, just I think Browns initially. Just I mean, just, okay. you know, for most of my life, you know, and I'm a football guy, they've just been – the epitome of poor just i mean the history is there you know yeah sure okay i think Knicks is probably going to be most people's maybe the orioles but even the orioles have a couple spots where you know but yeah brown's probably first one for me brian what you got i'm going with the clippers and i'm actually Mm. a clipper fan and so that's a good one maybe i derive pleasure from pain but I have been a fan of these guys since the 90s. I'm sick of all the the Laker love around here. I'm a contrarian. And I loved the young, energetic play of guys like Darius Miles and, and even Elton Brand. Even though they weren't winning a lot with Corey Maggette, they were a fun brand of basketball to watch. And I know that the, the team struggled a whole lot before they got there, but it was still entertaining. And that's why I go to a team like that, despite them being you know, maybe a barf bag of the NBA. Mm. Well, maybe if they renamed them the Los Angeles Corgis. <laughs> yes. They Which, might be more successful. I am wondering why, Jason, they have not, as a minor league baseball team, with all of the very creative names of 
teams. Why not a corgi? I think that should be the next one. So if any owners, I know out you're there, a huge fan. I got an 11-month-old, a corgi, and uh, wondering when she'll be able to come through here at Fox Sports Radio. Maybe <laughs> never, but uh, I can always dream. Yeah, well, here's another map, and I'm sure somebody has this. But I, I Here's where you go, tangent place that I wasn't expecting to go, but why does somebody not use like Spectre or Ghost as a pro sports nickname? The Ghosts would be fantastic. Maybe I'm wrong, but the mascot... The merch, the colors could be like a black and like a dark purple. Yeah, we got a or something a, like a that. Phantoms in the AHL. Yeah, Phantoms hey, isn't bad. Yeah. Is there anybody named the Ghosts? Feels like there should be. Phantoms is not bad, but it I seems like this could be some, more pro. Yeah, I imagine there's probably some like you know European soccer club out there that has the nickname the Ghosts, but we just don't call them that that much. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got a Pelicans, but we don't have a Ghosts. Let me just tell you, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. But I'm going to give you a new candidate for the worst franchise in pro sports. The Houston Texans. They just made the playoffs, and I'm calling them the worst franchise in pro sports. One, inexplicably, I don't know if he has photos of someone, files on someone. I I don't know how this is happening. But Bill O'Brien is still associated with that franchise. And has been for a number of years. And actually has more authority now than ever before. Then the story came out about DeAndre Hopkins that Michael Irvin said. I don't know whether or not that's true. But there were other, I think Charles Robinson at Yahoo and some other folks, Therese Paler maybe, said, look, these aren't new stories about O'Brien. There's a lot of weird stories about how O'Brien treats people and what he says and things like that behind closed doors. He's a different kind of guy and you know all this. So that didn't reflect all that well. I've seen him coach. That doesn't reflect particularly well. But they... How in 2020 do you get rid of one of, to me, it's 1A and 1B with him and Julio Jones as the two best wide receivers in the NFL. How do you let that guy walk out the door for a dude that had exactly one productive year as a running back in Arizona and they could not wait to get rid of? This was like the worst kept secret in the NFL. The two worst kept secrets in the NFL were that two NFC West teams desperately wanted to get out from underneath the money and the player that was running the football for them at present. Now neither one of them is in the same spot. Todd Gurley with the Rams, which helped put them in salary cap prison, and David Johnson with the Cardinals. The Houston Texans, who have done a poor job at trying to protect their superstar-level quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who I think it can win Super Bowls in this league, who I love to death, but has gotten killed and sacked and beaten and battered. The one thing that he had was his buddy DeAndre Hopkins, who has the biggest hands in the world, who went up and made every play, who had unbelievable chemistry with his quarterback. In 2020, what is valuable? There's nothing more valuable in pro sports than a great NFL quarterback. But how many great NFL quarterbacks don't have a wide receiver that's almost a household name? Why do you think Brady just left? 
Maybe you don't classify him in there. But because of what he's already done, I'm going to give him the Lifetime Achievement Award and still have him. I still would take him over most of the people that you would rank ahead of him statistically. I would still take him to win a game if you asked me to. But where did he go? He went somewhere where he could have a number one wide receiver again in Mike Evans. I mean, Edelman was great, but Edelman was really a slot guy. But think about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's great, but he also has Devontae Adams. When Roethlisberger had Antonio Brown, he was at his best. Or when he had a Heinz Ward. Or, I guess now you would say Juju, but Juju's really more of a second. He's more of a great second wide receiver next to a top wide receiver. But this is true across the league. The best quarterbacks do have studs out there. I mean, Mahomes, I know how great he is. You've heard me wax poetic about Patrick Mahomes on this show over and over again. But Tyreek Hill can play. Travis Kelsey's fantastic. There's all of these weapons around these great quarterbacks, and it leads them there. Russell Wilson, I think, one of the reasons why we don't realize just how great he is is because he hasn't had... I mean, Doug Baldwin was really good, and I think maybe sometimes we underrate Doug Baldwin, but generally, he doesn't have one of those roll-off-the-tongue wide receivers. But Houston just got rid of the second most important player on their team. With all due respect to J.J. Watt, he gets hurt too much, and he doesn't change a line by half a point when he's in or when he's out. It's DeAndre Hopkins who also made Will Fuller better because Hopkins attracted so much attention that Fuller was able to just speed down the field in much the same way that Juju didn't have nearly as many people paying attention to him when A.B. was out there. To get rid of DeAndre Hopkins for a running back in 2020 and a running back that Arizona Arizona wasn't going to use the guy all that much. They were going to pay and did pay Kenyon Drake who Miami couldn't wait to get rid of, and he was more effective than was David Johnson, who had exactly one good year. And he's going to Houston for DeAndre Hopkins. Now let me tell you why they're the worst-run franchise in all pro sports right now. So they go do this, and then the Rams flat-out release Todd Gurley for cap reasons. I know Todd Gurley has an injury issue. And we're about to find out what he has left, if anything, with his one-year $6 million deal with the Falcons. But there's your point. David Johnson or Todd Gurley? How much better are you with David Johnson than you would be with Todd Gurley? Well, let me tell you what. You'd be a lot better with Todd Gurley, I think, because you wouldn't have had to trade DeAndre Hopkins to get him. How stupid do you have to feel If you just paid a king's ransom for a guy everyone in the league knew the team that had him wanted to get rid of him, they were bidding against themselves and got rid of that guy, meaning DeAndre Hopkins, to get him. They made Deshaun Watson's job considerably more difficult for someone that has not done very much of anything in three years in this league. And then a running back pops on the market, basically, that the Falcons snatched up for one year and $6 million. He's out there. What in the world are the Houston Texans thinking? This move is similar to what the Jags did last year with Nick Foles. 
they were bidding against themselves. Who was going to give Nick Foles the money that Jacksonville gave him? I don't know anybody would have. And if they did, you should just say, you can have them for that price. That's the deal. Like, you go to the auction, you know, and you hold up the little paddles that have the numbers on them, and you're putting it up because you really want that item that you came for, that you marked off or whatever, but if somebody goes higher than you, eventually you just have to say, okay, man, you got to have it. I'm disappointed I can't take it home, but that's that's too rich for my blood. I don't know why you would want David Johnson in the first place. If you need a running back that bad, go draft one, Houston. We've seen guys that are not picked high in the draft of the running back spot do just fine. I could give you the list. But you take him and you get rid of a wide receiver in a league dominated by quarterbacks, and we've even got a pass interference replay now. All the rules are designed to favor the wideouts. And you let that guy go. And you've got Bill O'Brien in your front office and still as your head coach. You are making it so hard for Deshaun Watson to win. He now is playing with both his hands tied behind his back. That is malpractice. That is malfeasance. That is putrid ownership. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why the Houston Texans are the worst franchise in all of pro sports. With all due deference and respect to the New York Knicks, or to the Cleveland Browns, or to the Cincinnati Bengals, or to anybody you want to name. The Houston Texans, who just finished a playoff run in which they won a football game, are worse than all of them because their decisions aren't just baffling. They're stupid. We'll be right back. It's the Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet... There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Start of another week. Be curious where we are a week from today. But another curiosity of mine, do you own or do you rent your home? I own mine. Sure you do. One of the two. Fortunately, Geico is going to make it easy to bundle your home and auto insurance. And that's a good thing, too, because having a home, you know this, very hard work. Go to Geico.com, get yourself a quote, see how much you could save. Again, the website, it's real easy. It's Geico.com. This is the Jason Martin Show. I am Jay Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. The crew is Chris Perfett, Eric Roberts, Brian Fenley. I'm on Twitter self-quarantine, social media self-quarantine, and that I'm not tweeting anything. I did make one exception, which I've retweeted once a day. I didn't today, but I did since I composed this on Monday. You can find that um, at jmartzone. But I am actually looking at Twitter during this show a little bit just to see what people are saying. And Paul sent me a tweet during the break and said, Would you agree that the Vikings got more for Stephon Diggs than Houston got for DeAndre Hopkins. Pretty sure we did, just looking for an outsider's opinion. Uh, yes. I mean, I don't think David Johnson is getting very much if you're Houston, first of all. And what you gave up is ridiculous. And Diggs is it, Diggs is very, very good. No question about that. He's another one of those number one wideout kind of guys. Now, you had a little bit of a luxury in Minnesota in that you had two of them. It was great to have two of them, but you still have something there. But let's see. The Bills gave up their first-round pick. I'm not sure what number that is. Eric, you can probably tell me. They also gave up a fifth- and sixth-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2021, and they got Stephon Diggs and a seventh-round pick this year. Diggs is 26. He's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Had 1130 this past year. 23 touchdown receptions over the last three years is tied for fifth most in the league. He's real good. And I I always look at draft picks, and if it's not like top five, I mean, Buffalo was a playoff team this past year, and one of the things that they did not have was that guy at wide receiver. They were Look, the Cardinals were popping all the champagne you could find when they made this deal because – They weren't even going to use David Johnson that much anyway. He wasn't effective for them over the past two years. And I am very excited to see what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to be fun to watch. That team could be explosive offensively. But if you look at the Bills, same deal. The Bills knew they needed that kind of guy, so they went and got that kind of guy. And they gave up unknown assets. This is parts unknown is what they gave up. We don't know what it's going to be. It'll be one of those, well, here's the picks. Here are the players that they got for Stephon Diggs. And you'll find out in years to come what it is that Minnesota actually gained here and what Buffalo might have lost here. But this is a risk I think you absolutely take if you are Buffalo, first of all. And in terms of Minnesota, I don't know what the market was going to be. 
but you did get some assets here. You got a first-round draft pick. You also got a fifth and sixth this year, a fourth next year. Maybe you move one of those and get up higher or move low. Who knows what it is that you end up doing with that. But I do think that Minnesota got a little bit more out of this because I think a first-round pick is better than David Johnson in 2020. So I will say that is the case. Now, Eric, you being the Bills fan, how excited are you to have Stephon Diggs? Oh, you mean we don't have to go to Cole Beasley or John Brown in a game one play <laughs> right. in the end right. zone against the Patriots twice this year? Oh, I'm ecstatic. Yes. I mean, Josh Allen will still find a way to overthrow him somehow, but um, no, dude, it's the it's the first wide receiver name-worthy in my my entire life. I mean, you, we had... We no, had I mean, you had Eric Moles. I know, but I mean, I'm, that was really young for me still, at least. You know, this is the... In, Andre Reid, you weren't yeah, even yeah. alive, were yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I was born in 91, so I'm missing the tail mm. end of, you know, the glory days. Um, we had, what, T.O. for Peerless a cup of Price. coffee? Yeah, so I mean, Percy Harvin retired on us, uh, you know, mm. so... But yeah, St- Stefan Diggs, I mean, they did a bunch of work on the, the O-line to keep it at where it was at and not regress like they have in the past. Um, you know, they went on, gosh, Josh Norman on the defensive side, who he played with. Um, McDermott out in uh, Carolina. Yeah, yeah so that's So a lot true. of familiar there. So they figured their top, they had like one of the top uh, ball hawks uh, squads in the secondary last year. You bring in somebody like Josh Norman, I'm assuming the D's only going to get better from it being a top three D in the league last year already. So um, AFC East, I'd be pretty stoked on that. Yeah, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about in the first hour we can get to it, maybe we can get to it right here, is everybody's talking about Tom Brady. But let me ask a question that may sound insane when I first ask it. Is it possible that Tom Brady's career is going to last longer than Bill Belichick's? Because this is about to be a rebuild in New England. Robert Mays wrote a piece for The Ringer. uh, Or actually, no. Well, he wrote a quarterback piece that involved this a little bit. But Roger Sherman of The Ringer wrote specifically on the Patriots about how Brady and the way in which he sort of reacted to Garoppolo and everything else, made it impossible for the Patriots to look to their succession plan. That they had Brissett, they had Garoppolo, and maybe those weren't the answers, but they had to let both of them go because they continued with Brady and never really replaced him. So now it's Jared Stidham and whatever it is that maybe they're going to go get, but there's not that much left for them to go get. They're still going to be okay, but their roster wasn't that good last year, and they have had some veterans leave. This looks to me like they're not going to pay anybody big money because they're not going to be in a position to compete. This is a new world for Bill Belichick. He hasn't seen this this century. Now, he did experience mediocrity and some problems in the coaching ranks the first time he was in the NFL, but not with New England. You look at his age, how much he's already won. Is it unfair to ask whether or not he's just going to be like, I'm rolling to the cut. I'm heading to the domicile. I'm headed home. Like maybe he would go somewhere else and coach. But do you think Tom Brady is playing longer than Bill Belichick is coaching in New England? I think it's a fair question to actually ask that question. And no one really is. We're talking about, oh, Brady will play for two years. And that's what this deal is. And I think that's exactly going to be what it is. But is it out of the realm of possibility to think that Bill Belichick's not coaching three years from now? Because this is not going to go well this year. The Patriots are like a four or five win team. Probably. Now the AFC East always might give you a chance. 
But, Eric, your Bills should win that division. Yeah. I mean, Miami's made some moves, too, but Miami's going to Miami, and you know how much stock you're going to put in on, in on the Dolphins. But they made all the right moves, and they have been for a couple years, I feel. So it's it's finally like a culmination of just finally, you know, they're actually getting good while the Patriots regress, which makes it even better. Um, I, so as what do you as, think about the Belichick? Yeah, as, as far as Belichick, I feel like the possibility of him quitting outright like that and just retiring I mean I feel like it's definitely there because you get the no nonsense kind of thing will he be able to survive and just last through a bit I mean he's not a great personality anyway so like you think can he's like put up with a losing team and you think no and people always they're saying oh there was no succession plan but what if you know Belichick's been looking in the mirror or been looking down the road and he's okay with a losing season going out and getting somebody maybe making a splash trying to grit at Trevor Lawrence next year so there's just so much uncertainty because you said like it is a new era without Brady and Belichick coming in every year as being the perennial AFC East division winners or the assumed AFC East division winners, let alone the AFC East title game, like one of the two teams to make it. So there's just so much uncertainty, and there has been in this whole situation. But if it came down to, it, I think I would see, I I don't I just can't see Belichick moving moving away from it. So I would think Belichick would outlast Brady. He seems like a guy like this is his life. Like this, right. this is this is what he is. He he is football. It's what we know about him. And I could see him relishing the idea of even trying to do a little bit of a rebuild. They've had a quiet free agency. We'll see what they do with the draft. But the, yeah, I think to your point, I don't know if they'll win as low as the as uh, you said. What their four games? No, so, well that yeah. that's probably. I mean, they're probably more like a six win team, but sure, they're not going to sure. be good. It's 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 going to rankle some folks, but I think. He can probably sell it with, like, please be patient. We're going to rebuild here. But, I mean, maybe the fire could be under him right away because there are people out there who are asking the question, can you win without Tom Brady? And that first year might be bumpy. Uh, Looking at the AFC East, though, how do we feel about the Jets sometimes? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Because, like, we didn't really get the full picture with them because Sam Darnold had had mono inexplicably. And then he had ghosts. Yeah, and then he had ghosts. And I, I think it's funny because I think Darnold is, can still get back on track. He's just been dealt a bad hand. I just It's easy to write off the Jets, but I, I, I don't think the Patriots will be long from that seat. But we'll see. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard when sea change happens. Like, I'm still not fully registered in my head, for example, that the San Antonio Spurs are no longer one of, like, the upper echelon teams in the NBA. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Eras yeah. eras don't end well or nicely no. for coaches that we think as like eternal winners. But with that said, Popovich is still there. Yeah, exactly. And I I think Belichick to that point then, I think Belichick will still be there cuz he will kind of like Pop try to at least salvage something of it before he heads out the door. I just wonder if he is if he has the patience for a full-on rebuild. Because that might be what we're looking at here, and even think, if it's not the toughest. Division and you got to think with league. something like that, it would be his decision to leave. They're not going to fire him for you know a down year or two in this situation. So it would have to. I'm assuming it would have to be a kind of a hundred percent on him to be like, okay, I'm done with this kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Um, I saw Charles Robinson. Let's see. This article is entitled "Bill Belichick has raved about Cam Newton's abilities, and now he has a chance to resurrect them." If you're I the Patriots, do you kick those tires at all? Not as a as maybe a stopgap, but I don't see that as a long term solution at all. Just because I I don't think Cam Newton would really even gel well in a town like Boston with that with the kind of media attention on him. 
You know, to go from a place like Carolina where, you know, we've we've already in the national media been kind of killing Cam every time he, he loses and the sour face he puts on. Now you're yeah. saying he's going to have to deal with, you know, the Boston sports media every day and have to deal with that attention on top of him where they are far more negative. Uh, and, and you'll get that right away there. Maybe he can reclaim him, but at the same time, I don't know if Cam Newton's health is going to hold up as he gets older either. I don't know how much Cam Newton loves football anymore. That's one thing that I have thought about a lot. I feel like Cam Newton is closer to Andrew Luck's mentality than he is somebody that wants to fight his way back to a prominent starting job or a Pro Bowl-level player. I don't know that Cam Newton understands. Cam Newton is a guy that was so successful for so long at so many different levels, despite some setbacks, some that he caused himself and you know some that happened around him. But now that he's so beaten up, and hurt I just feel like his confidence is shot like the smiling guy that we saw when he was the NFL MVP and the one that we saw at Auburn and the one that looked like Superman even before he was doing the taunt that guy just doesn't seem to exist anymore I think there's a lot of work that has to be done for Cam Newton and I don't know that he has the requisite affinity for the sport to go through that again with an uncertain outcome. What if he works hard again and he gets hurt again? He does seem kind of annoyed at the football side of being Cam Newton. Right. Like he, he wants to be Cam Newton still, but the fact that he has to go out and maybe he's not as dominant as he used to be, he's not he doesn't look as engaged. And I maybe think, that comes with losing. Sorry, and maybe that does maybe it comes with losing and not winning as often. You know, fair weather fan, fair weather player kind of thing. But he does seem like less engaged and more annoyed than he did as a younger athlete. I think, again, there is something about the media there is that he was not expecting the media to be as on top of him as it is when he's had these down these down plays, and it's only snowballed since his Super Bowl loss. It's just gotten more and more loud. And again, that's why I really hope he's not going to Boston because it could get, with that, with that media up there, it, it could get just really nasty really quick, and that, that would probably drive him away from football even faster. Right. And I mean, I would love to see him get back to the guy that we saw two or three years ago. I honestly don't think he can. I just think his body has betrayed him to a degree that it's just not going to be in the cards for him anymore. And I think it's just going to be, he's going to take two steps forward and one step back. And then he's going to take another step and a half forward and then he's going to step back again. And that right there is a grind that it's not that he's too lazy for it. It's just that Man, when you get knocked back after you start to feel good again, that's when it hurts. That's what led to Andrew Luck retiring. It wasn't just that he was hurt. It's that every time he tried to come back, it came back on him. That was the problem. And that's why I just think Cam Newton may be going down the Andrew Luck path, especially if it's, yeah, you can come in here, but you're probably competing for a starting job. We might want you to be a backup. I don't know if Cam is that guy at all. I don't know if he loves football enough to be holding a clipboard on Sundays instead of being QB1. Here's our QB1. It's Brian Finley. B, what's going on? Hey, I was going to say, Jason, the only path that Cam Newton should be going down is the runway that he should be going down. Obviously, oh, he's a no. big fashion guy. And they're yeah. only the only thing where he is relevant now is maybe fashion. Hey, who knows? Maybe in five years we'll be wearing what he's wearing, and it'll be like I what everybody's be. wearing. 
You won't? Are you sure? Are you sure? No. I've seen him wear like the I'm standing in a line for food kind of headscarf thing and all this. I don't see any of that happening. Well, I mean, he and he also went to Paris for a fashion week, so he is all on this. And who knows? I might be wearing what he's wearing unless I'm not. If he wants to put out a clothing line, that's good. You're not going to get hit putting out a clothing line. Maybe some people aren't going to wear it, but your leg's not going to get broken in half walking a runway most of the time. Yeah, most of the time, unless there are high heels on. Yeah, uh, right. USA track and field wanting the Olympics postponed. The, as they should. As Yes. Yeah, USA track and field head executive chief Max Siegel made this clear in a letter filed to the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, pointing out to how coronavirus and the precautions to stop it have impacted the athletes. But, Jason, are you at all surprised that the Olympics at this point are adhering to the initial start date, which is July 24th? I wish I would say no, but or I wish I would say yes, but the answer is no because they just the Olympics feel like they're so self-important. Like, no, we've got to have our Olympics, despite the fact it's the worst possible thing you could do at this point in time and what a disaster it would be if somebody came down positive in olympic village it would be catastrophic it's just like oh if we don't have the olympics all society is going to shut down i promise you that's not the case you've got all these stressed out athletes that aren't able to train in their regular ways it's not going to feel like and i saw you know usa swimming come out and say it doesn't feel like an even playing field that to me should be the goal if it's not an even playing field we probably need to push it back. I know logistically it's trouble and you go through a lot of deals and you're building all these stadiums and all, but it's basically a boondoggle for most places that get the Olympics or the World Cup in this day and age. Anyway, I just would err on the side of caution. Internationally, we're talking about summer. I really don't know if we're going to be through what we're going through, even the first phase of it, by the time that the Olympics roll around. I think I wish I could say, yes, I'm surprised, but I'm not. And you've heard all the the naughtiness that takes place in Olympic Village, and obviously uh, you don't want to deal yeah. with that because it, it could even spread even more in that way. How about this? In the NBA, we've got a couple guys that are putting their name in the draft. You have Trey Jones, the sophomore mm-hmm. guard, Elijah Hughes, also from Syracuse. And this is a pretty big story, I would think, given the lack of sports, Jason. We've got a former Harvard star. He was the Ivy League Player of the Year, formerly, Seth Town saying no to Duke and committing to Ohio State. He's got hmm. two years left of eligibility. He is from Columbus, Ohio, so maybe that well, played a part in it. Yeah, it could have. Maybe he's got a better chance to start at Ohio State than he does Duke, <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, I don't know how good the guy is, but Columbus probably has something to do with it. Uh, no question about that. We are presented by Geico. Fox Sports Radio Studios out in Los Angeles. Fox Sports Radio Studios here. We are not wearing N95 masks. I'm actually talking into a microphone. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Well, I saw what Jared Dudley said on FSR a couple of days ago. And I've seen what Colin Sexton of the Cleveland Cavaliers has said. But I don't know whether or not the NBA is coming back or not this year. Because eventually there has to be a date where you say, okay, well, if it's not back by here, we've got to cancel the season. Practice facilities are shut down. More people are coming down with it. We saw KD test positive. We saw Marcus Smart test positive. 
couple of Lakers tested positive. That's what kind of preceded Jared Dudley's comments. I don't know whether it's coming back. And I think we're getting to, I think sometimes that's the wrong question. It's just like, you know, Adam Silver also came out and said, you know, we're looking to select players. People need the NBA. So we'll see if we can do this game for charity. I love the idea of doing the game for charity. I don't know that we have to have basketball right now. The problem with this whole deal, and Chris actually said this last week, the reason why we're so offended right now is because our convenience is being challenged. But do you realize, folks, how uniquely equipped we are for what we're going through? How blessed we are, how lucky we are to live in this country at this point in time to be going through this? I heard Steve Dace say this a few days ago, and I agreed a million percent with him. But if you think about it, you don't have to leave your house for most of the things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, there's some people like to go out and drink every night and stuff like that, but you can drink in your house too. But I mean, think about it. Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, ESPN+, Plus, UFC Fight, or and the Fight app, or WWE Network, or any of these services. Movies Anywhere. Studios dropping stuff that was going to come out in theaters. Emma is now available to rent. The Hunt, which I beg you not to watch, is available on Vudu right now. Yeah, stuff's getting pushed back, but it's eventually going to come out, and you couldn't possibly in a million lifetimes watch all of the stuff that's available to you if you have even three or four of the streaming services. All this stuff is there. Most of the restaurants are, are still open, at least for right now, and they're able to deliver to you. It's just the idea that you can't go travel that might bother you. And some people are just shirking that and traveling anyway. We are more ready and able to get through this without really affecting much of our lives. The thing that scares me, obviously, is the economy and a lot of people losing jobs. And that's not good at all. And that's where my prayers are throughout this whole deal. But I haven't really thought, man, I really wish it. Adam Silver would find a way to bring the NBA back into my life right now because I just can't do this without the association. It's going to come back, whether it's this season or next season. If it comes back next season, absence will make the heart grow fonder. All sports, we're going to love them when they're back. But if you can't play until June... Do you just roll into the playoffs in June, or do you just say, you know what, let's cash this in, and we'll start the season, and we'll go through a full off season, and we'll give the guys some extra rest? Those are going to be the value judgments that people are making. I don't know if Jared Dudley's going to turn out to be right, or Colin Sexton's going to turn out to be right. It depends, I suppose, on the timetable here. And we're going to know a lot more in a couple of weeks than we do right now. I tend to believe that the NBA may not actually come back. But I'm not, I don't want to put that on the whiteboard. I'm just not, we don't know enough yet. I'm not going to put myself out on that limb. But we will be right back. We do need to pay some bills. We'll be right back. It's the Jason Mart Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. This one's kind of sad because my wife and I have tickets for the Smashing Pumpkins at the historic Ryman Auditorium, which is like a 3,000-seat home of the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, no. They're coming in April. And oh, no. So we have tickets and never seen the Smashing Pumpkins before, and this venue, to see them there is unreal. They played the Bridgestone Arena, the home of the Predators, and I think sold it out back in December. They're playing this small deal, and we have tickets and I'm pretty sure that show's getting canceled. Oh man, I, that's, I hope that's not the case, but I believe that's going to be the case. That's that, already that preparing myself. Yeah, yeah. It's the end of April, but I still don't. I don't feel particularly good about this one at all. May not be in the cards, but I was excited anyway. All right, so last segment of every hour: recommendations from the bunker, pop culture stuff that you can do. Television, film, all that. Not going to the theater, stay away. But what you can do from the house. Now I'm just going to give you a name. Taika Waititi. If his name's associated with it, probably worth your time. Last night my wife and I watched Thor Ragnarok, which she had never seen before, which no problem with me watching that again. It's hilarious. Jeff Goldblum's great in it. Uh, It's really reignited Chris Hemsworth. That character was dead. That Thor character was dead. And then, oh, we made it funny. We made it outlandish. We made it crazy. We made it absurdist, and Chris Hemsworth wanted to play that kind of character, and it showed range and enabled him to do more in his career than people thought he was going to be able to do. It's got Tessa Thompson in it. It's loaded, and it's got Taika Waititi, who directed it and plays Korg, who is just a character that if you haven't seen the film, you'll absolutely love, and he pops up in Infinity War and in Endgame as well, which is fun. Jojo Rabbit. 
which Taika won an Academy Award for. He wrote it. Jojo Rabbit is available right now. Jojo Rabbit is one of the three to five best movies of last year. And last year was a great year for film. Jojo Rabbit is tremendous. Turns something serious. The Holocaust era in Germany with the Jewish-German conflict makes it satirical in terms of poking fun and mocking Adolf Hitler and Nazis and then tells us a very serious story underneath. And that's what Taika does. He can take very serious material or things that you think are going to be one thing and flip them on their head and make them very approachable, but without necessarily losing all of the gravity. Jojo Rabbit's awesome. If you haven't seen it, put it on your list. And then finally, he starred in a film that he co-wrote and co-created with Jemaine Clement, who's one half of Flight of the Concords. And the movie was called What We Do in the Shadows. And it's about four vampires in Wellington. FX turned that into a television series. What We Do in the Shadows with Paul Sims, who created News Radio and was associated with Fly of the Concords as well. Ten episodes are available, and the second season is supposed to be in April, but if it's like Fargo, Fargo got pushed back. I got an email about that from FX a couple of days ago, so I don't know if it's going to hit in April or not. But the ten episodes are 30 minutes, which means they're 21, 22, because the commercials are taken out. If you got Hulu, you can watch it. It's The Office if The Office were vampires trying to live in Staten Island. That's what it is. It is tremendously funny and subversive in the best possible ways. A little bit of language, a little bit of content, but not bad. Really funny. I bet you haven't seen it. It's one of those best things you have not seen. That, folks, is a recommendation from the bunker. When we come back, other quarterback moves, not Tom Brady. Which ones were good? What's going on? It's not four non-blondes. It's the Jason Martin Show. We're live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The crew is Chris Perfett, Eric Roberts, and Brian Finley. My name is Jason Martin. They make me a lot better than I would be otherwise. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. We talked a whole lot of Tom Brady in the first hour of the show. We talked a little bit of Belichick last hour. There were some other quarterback moves that were made, though. I don't want to talk about them, but uh, I said that it's real easy in this industry to say whatever you want because there's no accountability for it. I can say the most outlandish thing right now, and two weeks from now you won't remember it because I'll be on to another take and you'll be paying attention to that one. And that feeds into the hot takery that we see in this industry, which quite frankly makes me sick. It just irritates me. It's why... I don't listen to a whole lot of this stuff outside of my own show. And I don't listen to my own show either. Except when I actually have these headphones on and I'm talking to you right now. I get away from this. But I will pat myself on the back when I'm right from time to time. Just like I'll say, whoops, I was wrong about Brady. I thought he was going to leave. But I want accountability to be part of this. So somehow we're going to figure out a way to tally up my rights and wrongs and maybe the whole crew's rights and wrongs but i will tell you one thing i was right about gentleman by the name of nick Foles, who's now with the chicago the uh, chicago bears i told you 
that he had the best disguise in the National Football League. And I hated to say it because I really like Nick Foles. I like, I like what he stands for. I like how he conducts himself. I liked what he did in Philadelphia. Nothing not to like about Nick Foles. But he's not that good. Whoever it is, if he's a great, if he's a great dude, it doesn't matter if he's not good at what he does. I'm still going to tell you he's not good at what he does. It's nothing personal. I'm paid to talk about more so than anything. I'm paid to talk about how he performs at work. And I said he had the best disguise in the NFL. He had the best Halloween costume in the NFL. Because he dresses up like a starting quarterback, but he's actually a backup. When the mask comes off, he's a backup. He can be a good backup in the right system, like he was in Philadelphia. And a good backup is one that can come in and win games, be competent, and you don't have to change your entire offense because he's capable of running a lot of what you do. But when he went to Jacksonville, I told you it wasn't going to go well. Yeah, he got hurt pretty quickly, but before he got hurt, he wasn't that great either. And at the end of the year, what did they do? They went with Gardner Minshew, who didn't look great himself. He came down to earth. But they said, we're going to ride with the Rook. And we're going to let Foles go. And we paid him a ton of money that I don't think anybody else was actually going to offer him. And so now he is in Chicago. And this is kind of the last ride for Nick Foles. Robert Mays of the Ringer, who's a lifelong Bears fan, said, seems like the reason you get Nick Foles is because he's not Mitch Trubisky, and maybe that's enough. We'll see. Trubisky played a little better in the last quarter of last season. But no one thinks he's the long-term answer in Chicago. But do you think Nick Foles is? Nick Foles went to Chicago because Jacksonville realized, whoops, They took the L, but boy, did they take an L. But think about some of these other moves that were made quarterback-wise outside of Tom Brady to the Buccaneers, which we have discussed in great detail. One of the teams that was looking at Brady was the Tennessee Titans. And it seems like they decided they were going to pay Ryan Tannehill on a four-year deal $1 million for every digit, basically, every tallied number in his passer rating from last year. He was number one in the league, and it was like 117 point. I think it might have been four. So they say, oh, we'll round up, we'll pay you 118 mil. A lot of it guaranteed. Maybe he's not here in four years. But that's a whole lot of money based on a pretty small sample size. But maybe it was enough. Phillip Rivers to the Colts, staying in the same division. One-year deal. Phillip Rivers puts out the video on social media, basically saying, yeah, I know it was an adversary, but I can't wait to come play for you guys. And I always had a lot of respect for your organization. So much respect that he might have been cutting that video on the toilet. But, you know, whatever. Got to do what you got to do. Phillip Rivers looked done last year. He does not have nearly as much talent around him in Indianapolis, meaning receiving-wise, as he just left. 
but he does have a better offensive line, and he has a general manager that is very good. If he's got anything left, he's probably not going to be much worse than Brissett, who just kind of plateaued at some point last year and just was average. Like, he was okay, but Jacoby Brissett was... I thought he could be a starter in the league, and after what I saw last year, it's just kind of like, well, maybe he's a backup. But he's a guy that could win games. He's a backup you'd want, but I don't know if he's a starter. Not after what I saw. But maybe I would have given him another year, potentially. But Rivers is old, but here he comes. Marcus Mariota to Oakland. (laughs) I have no idea. You know where I am on Marcus. I've watched his whole career. I've had to cover his whole career up close and personal. A better guy you will not find. An easier to root for guy you will not find maybe this side of Jalen Hurts. Can he play and can he stay healthy? His confidence was shot by the time he was removed from the starting lineup for Ryan Tannehill. Shot. He had come off a shutout against the Denver Broncos. He was playing atrocious football. His defense was averaging 15.3 points a game given up, and they were 2-4. and four. What do, I have no idea what he's going to do in Oakland. Maybe the change of scenery is exactly what he needs. I know Gruden liked him in college, at least if the quarterback camp is to be believed. But it was interesting that he came off the board as fast as he did with some of the guys that are still out there looking for jobs. Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina. I love that move. I know he flourished with Sean Payton's offense and with Michael Thomas and Kamara and those guys last year. But I still like that move. Because it certainly looked like he could play. If he ends up being the starter, now you never know, I guess. But it certainly appears like, and I saw Pro Football Talk basically write it this way. Actually, matter of fact, let me bring it up. Let's see, here we go. Quote, per a source with knowledge of the deal, Bridgewater receives a $15 million signing bonus and $8 million fully guaranteed salary in 2020, up to $750,000 in per-game roster bonuses and a $250,000 workout bonus. That's $24 million in cash flow for the first year of the deal. That isn't the kind of contract that a team would give to a player who is destined to take a seat behind a rookie. Meaning Carolina's not going to move up and draft Tua or grab somebody like that, or if they do, Bridgewater's still going to get the opportunity to start this year, if not next year. That piece goes on to say the deal also includes a $17 million base salary for 2021, $10 million of which is fully guaranteed at signing with the same per-game roster and workout bonuses. $63 million over three years. $42 million over the first two with 33 guaranteed. He is not going to be riding the pine. He is going to be the guy this season for sure. Maybe for two years. And if he's good in those two years, the sky's the limit because he's still not that old. It's still remarkable he's been able to come back from what he came back from. I mean, that that looked like it was the kind of thing that could have ended a career, and it didn't. Still out there looking for gigs. We discussed Cam Newton. 
Andy Dalton, who maybe New England grabs him. He's certainly capable. And he's still not 35. I think he's 33 years old. Maybe not even that old. He may be 31. Then you got Jameis. Joe Flacco's out there, as he still should have been last year before the franchise that I've always pulled for, the Denver Broncos, felt the need to pay him. With Mariota in Oakland, that could open up some other question marks as well. But it seems like Carr is still probably going to be the guy. And Mariota comes in as a backup. But you could definitely see a scenario where Mariota found his way into that lineup because anybody that believes that John Gruden is a huge fan of Derek Carr, I have a bridge to sell you. There's reports out here that say the Raiders would only have replaced Derek Carr with Tom Brady. I read that from Yahoo. I saw it with NBC. But the Athletics said two days ago the Raiders didn't even make an offer to Brady officially, but that they were just kind of looking around. But that if it wasn't Brady, it was definitely still going to be Derek Carr. I don't know that I buy that. But again, this is the season of lying. You don't talk negatively about people that are still there. You don't let that leak either. You don't say those things. Matt Rule says positive things. Oh, I'm looking forward to playing, uh, working with Cam Newton this fall. You don't say, man, I'm really hoping somebody takes this joker off of our squad so we don't have to deal with him. Like You don't say that because it destroys his value and it's just a jerk move. So who knows what's true and what's not. We've got to get through the NFL draft and see what the draft actually looks like in the wake of coronavirus. But the Mariota thing is interesting, if nothing else. And Mariota, unlike, I think, probably Cam Newton, I may, I think Jameis Winston probably would accept it as well at this point. But if Mariota has to try and fight for a job, he will try. Because he does want to play. And I still believe he thinks he can. But his confidence was destroyed. So I don't know how good I feel if I'm an Oakland Raiders fan today. But if you look at these moves... Tell me, you can tell me at Jmart Zone, and we'll kind of evaluate it with the crew when we come back. But outside of the Brady move, which one do you like the best? Rivers to the Colts, Foles to the Bears, Bridgewater to the Panthers, Mariota to the Raiders, or paying Ryan Tannehill four years, $118 million, with over 60 of it guaranteed, which is an awful lot. Those are kind of the big moves outside of the obvious biggest move. Which one, if any, do you think pans out the best? At Jmart Zones, where you can hit me up or 877 on Fox. That's 996 6369. We'll talk about that. When we come back, we're talking about the future of quarterbacks and teams making moves. What about the future of an entire league that had to officially say this season's a wrap, but we'll be back next year? Will they? We'll discuss next. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back. Little sound garden. If you want to hear something amazing, well, this record's not bad. Down on the upside. Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. It's even more amazing than that now because Discover's accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that accept credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Limitations do apply. Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. We're rolling right along. We were just looking at some of the other quarterback moves in that last segment. Teams looking at their future and their fan bases looking and, you know, what's going to be certain, what's going to be uncertain. Well, nothing's certain. We don't even know when sports is going to be back right now. But Oliver Luck came out and said, officially the XFL season is over in the wake of COVID-19, not because they failed. Look, I thought that what they tried to do was about as good as you possibly could have tried to do with their limitations. I was still exactly where I was before, which is I didn't think there would be a second champion crowned. And now I definitely don't think there will be because there's not going to be one this year, and I don't see it going to a third season. Would still love to be wrong, but these games dropped in viewership each week. 
Final week was around 767,000 on average, which is not the end of the world. And you'll take that on FS1. You'll take that over some of the programming you would otherwise have on some of these deals. But it was trending in the wrong direction. The rule changes were good, it seemed like, for the most part. Broadcasts were pretty tight, looked professional. This was not a joke. But Joe Lucia of Awful Announcing was writing about this. And I'm just going to read from this a little bit. The most important thing regarding the future of the XFL has nothing to do with the on-field product. Finances. Two years ago, Vince McMahon was re- was reportedly ready to spend $500 million over the XFL's first three years. Remember I told you it was around $350 mil that he had earmarked as losses over the first three seasons before he was hoping to break even and then maybe he could turn a profit in the fourth year. And if he was able to renegotiate television deals before that, maybe he's able to get there sooner. Back to the article. A year ago... McMahon sold off $270 million in WWE stock at roughly $84 a share to help fund the XFL. The tanking stock market has sent WWE stock spiraling. I just looked during the break. It's at $36 a share right now. It was nearly 100 about a year and a half ago. Quality of the product has dropped. Some mistakes that they've made. They've had changes at the top with Uh, Michelle Wilson and George Barrios leaving CEO in key positions, chairman positions. But he sold it at 84 a share. Now it's tanking. It's barely, it's, it's just a little over a third of what it was when he sold it a year ago. But that stock price, with all of what he still got in WWE, back to the article, with so much of McMahon's net worth tied up in WWE, he still owned roughly 28 million shares of the company last March when he made that $270 million sale. The declining stock price takes McMahon's fortune down along with it. If needed, would he be willing to sell even more stock at a lower price to keep funding the XFL? I'm going to stop there, but I'm going to go back to the article in a second. He has proven... That he does know how to do this the right way. Was it going to succeed? I don't think so, long term. But in the short term, I think he had done an admirable job here. This was not the farce, the circus, the joke that the original XFL was. Is that enough for him? Is what I'm starting to think. When you think about what he has to keep putting into it, okay? If his ego is satiated, if it's satisfied, then how much desire and drive is there to come back and keep trying this? This season doesn't have a champion. It just ends, and it doesn't end because he failed. Even if it wasn't trending as well, and he knows it's not trending as well, and it was about, here's the thing, it got canceled right before the ratings really got bad. Because they were going to keep dropping because we were about to get to the NCAA tournament after the conference tournaments, then here comes the Masters, and then the NBA playoffs. It was not going to get better here. Okay? Back to the article. Furthermore, how much of that $500 million over three years estimate was based on playing a full season? 
With only five weeks of games in the books, the XFL is missing out on a total of 20 regular season games and three playoff games, and you would have expected those playoff games to be played in front of packed houses paying for their seats. All that ticket revenue is gone. And while the league was only averaging 18,500 fans in attendance per game, that's still a hefty chunk of revenue, especially considering that the league is still doing the right thing and paying its players for the rest of the 2020 season. So you think about the way that the league was trending, but what had been proven? That they seemed to know what they were doing as best they could. They didn't have enough good quarterbacks. They only really had two. A couple of the major market teams were not good at all. And I think the curiosity factor was wearing off because the quality of the football just wasn't quite there. But it wasn't a disaster by any stretch of the imagination out of the gates. But what's the impetus to bring it back? Oliver Lux says it's definitely coming back next year. And I still assume probably it will because they're in a good position with the television deals right now to come back. Lucia says it this way, the XFL does appear safe from a TV perspective. Last May, when the league announced its TV deals with ESPN and Fox, they were announced as multi-year agreements. The language on those agreements is unclear. We're not sure if they require games on both broadcast and cable, or if ESPN and Fox will be able to move some of their inventory off of broadcast in the wake of steadily declining viewership during the five weeks of the 2020 season. But regardless of those declines, the XFL was still drawing a significant amount of viewers. Now, 767 is okay if it's going to continue to drop, and I think it was. There might have been a different piece being written next month about this if we weren't going through what we're going through in the country and globally. I just wonder how strong it's going to feel about coming back next year. This is not a disaster. It's not a joke. If they were to cut bait on it, here's the other thing. If you just said, you know what? Like, unfortunately, and and I hate to make this comparison, but some small businesses that are going to not come back to us, unfortunately, because they only have, you know, 40 or 45 days worth of cash on hand before they have nothing left. And we could be seeing long shutdowns. You have an out right now if you're Vince McMahon. If you leave now, it's not going to be declared a failure. It's not going to be declared a joke because it wasn't a joke. And you actually have an excuse everybody will understand and believe if you don't come back, which is, you know, we were doing okay. We were, some of the things were working a lot. We were tweaking some things. And then came COVID-19. And it just doesn't seem feasible right now. I've got to worry about the rest of our company and all of our employees with WWE and then all of a sudden you have your out. I just wonder if you don't take that out. Now, I'm not I honestly do think that the XFL will come back next year. But I'm more staunch than ever that it's not a long-term deal. And if it didn't, who would blame them? You might be sad because you were enjoying the product, but you would not at all blame them for making that decision. In this case, Lucia finishes up his piece by saying there are so many other factors regarding the league's second year, 
including the length of the state of emergency surrounding the coronavirus to the inevitable resumption of the other major sports leagues in America, to even the NFL's new CBA and the sliding stock market, that we can't even begin to process what a second year for the XFL would look like. And then here's the key point, and this is my takeaway and what I just laid out to you. On the bright side for the XFL, McMahon didn't torpedo the league like he did 19 years ago. And if the XFL doesn't return, you can't put all the blame on the league and its decision makers. In fact, I don't know that you can put any of the blame on the league and its decision makers. You can only prognosticate, as I have, that it wasn't going to work. But if you get out, if it doesn't come back, the excuse is rock solid. It would be something I would consider. It depends on how long this goes. It depends on how bad the economy falls. Maybe these projections, some of these really long-term projections, aren't as bad as they appear. Because I do think once we get past this, once we figure it out and get to the end of it, whenever that is, hopefully it's not a year or a year and a half from now, the economy is going to roar back. It just is. This happens after crises all the time. The question is how long is it going to take before that can happen again? So there's going to be a lot of determinations made by a lot of people that have money right now, but with it all tied into stock, Vince may not have anywhere near the money that he thought he was going to have when he earmarked what he earmarked. And as he's getting older... And a lot of other things changing, including, and we'll talk about this when we come back on the other side, deciding to do WrestleMania over two days in an empty building instead of canceling it like he should. I could see a universe where we have already seen the end of the XFL just because it's more prudent to let it go. And you don't have to worry about failing and that being a documentary released 10 years from now. This could just be, you know what, it wasn't in the cards for us. We just, we decided it was a smarter move. But I think we were proud of what we accomplished. And they should be, because those five weeks, they did about as good as they possibly could have done, given their circumstances, the lack of some talent in key spots. This was a much different experience than the first one was. But I do think if there's any league you should be paying attention to right now, the NBA's coming back, the NFL's coming back, Major League Baseball's coming back, all these things are coming back, but the XFL barely got off the ground and has now had its legs chopped out from underneath it. And it's a bit of an undertaking, and I'll bet you it's a little bit more of an internal debate as to whether or not it's worth it to try and bring it back and just start from scratch almost all over again without the curiosity factor a year from now if you bring that league back most of the people already sampled the product if they are asked will you come back in a year to try this again i don't like their chances all right let's go to brian finley out in los angeles get one more look at whatever it is that's going on (laughs) in the world of sports brian you know jason i would love to see a documentary on the aaf and they're crumbling. Oh, my god! That would be some really good television, don't you think? They made one about the USFL. They've got to make one about the yeah, AAF that's true. before long. Yeah. 
I think that would be fantastic. A Duke sophomore guard, Trey Jones, making the jump to the NBA draft. The former Duke Blue Devil reeling in the 2020 ACC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year honors. Syracuse top scorer Elijah Hughes leaving college early for the pros. Top-ranked grad transfer forward and former Harvard star Seth Towns committing to Ohio State. Darius Slay recently traded to the Eagles, went on social media to reveal his jersey number. Hey, my number rocking. I'm going with that two four, man. I'm rocking with two four this year. I'm going Kobe mode, man. Black Mamba, baby. Rest in peace to my to the goat, man. One of my favorite players. Meanwhile, the Colts parting ways with quarterback Brian Hoyer in the publicly confirming signing Philip Rivers. Running back Kenyon Drake signing a transition tender with the Cardinals. Reports are he still could get a long-term deal, and it's a one-year contract for now. or so million dollars. USA track and field, big wigs are begging the Olympics to get pushed back. As of now, the Olympics remain unchanged and scheduled to start July 24th in Japan. And Jason, I got to think that Philip Rivers is going to prove some people wrong in Indianapolis. I'm for this. Also, how about Josh Rosen to the Patriots? This is something that I think would be an interesting marriage. Oh, look, I I actually thought about that. Yeah. I, I... I am still not ready to say that Josh Rosen can't play. I think Josh Rosen's been in two absolute no-win situations in an awful spot in Arizona, and then in Miami when it didn't seem like they wanted to win, and maybe he's been ruined forever, but that's at least one I would I would consider. I'm not ready to cut bait on the Josh Rosen can play argument just yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. He needs a shot where he's not going to be basically told that he's set up to fail exactly i i i i like that i'm glad somebody else thought about it i didn't actually say it but i did think about it welcome back to the fox sports radio studios brought to you by geico it is easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier i said you can tweet me at jmartzone even though i am not really tweeting at present and I'm trying to stay off of it almost entirely. I guess I had to kind of break the quarantine because of a piece that I put out on Monday that I was retweeting each day. And because of the nature of that article, uh, people's responses, I needed to be able to make sure people didn't need help uh, in reaction to that. But somebody did tweet me and say, hey, why do you keep referring to our team as the Oakland Raiders? Touche. That's going to take some time. The Las Vegas Raiders. My apologies. People are still calling think, the Chargers San Diego. I know. Yeah, I was about this, to say, I think I finally have gotten past that, but I'm still probably guilty of that once every 15 or I would 20 think, times. I would think the Raiders one will take longer to catch on, I feel, because you think Raiders, you think Oakland. You know, I, I mean, it's just, I feel like I say the Oakland Raiders more than just Raiders standalone, you know? So I feel like it yeah. will take longer for us to drop the Oakland off the Raiders than it did even the Chargers and the San Diego part. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just because Vegas is... I don't know. Maybe it won't take as long just because Vegas is so new. As a it's not like L.A. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that'll maybe it'll it'll hit us a little faster, but it's going to take some time. I'm still every once in a while writing 2019. And, and don't be those guys. I'll, that's just an annoying person. Like I'm sorry, I but one like time I still call we're, we're splitting hairs. You know, it's just like come on, we're yeah. all going to slip yeah, up yeah. here and there. Yeah, I mean we are, but. They're right. I did say Oakland a couple of different times, and then when he said it, now I'm like, oh yeah, they are in Vegas, aren't they? They haven't played there yet. I I don't know what it looks like just yet, but whatever. It's the same deal. Let me tell you what is weird. 
professional wrestling in empty arenas. You're seeing it now from all of WWE's products as well as AEW on TNT. You saw it done right, or about as right as it can be done on Wednesday night. Now, AEW right now is the best promotion in this country in terms of one with major television. I think they're doing great work. If you like pro wrestling with good stories where they're actually making stars out of young talent, this is absolutely an organization you should be watching. Our good friend at Fox Sports Radio, Alex Marvez, uh, works with them, and uh, he knows what he's doing. And he attached himself to a really good organization. And they didn't have fans, but they did not act like they had fans, but they did put some of their roster out there to be loud and play fans, but not really play, just go out there and have fun, be the wrestling fans that made them want to be pro wrestlers in the first place. He had a couple of guys out there that were gambling on some of the things that were going on, Sean Spears and MJF, and I thought that was cool. And actually, Sean Spears, who hasn't been entertaining as a wrestler particularly, not because he can't work, it's just not, he's not somebody who jumps off the page. I thought immediately, turn him into a Lone Shark character and make this a thing. Even when you come back, let this be what he does, and every once in a while he can wrestle, but have him do this. This character is interesting to me. But they were able to make it seem like people were there because there was reaction to what was going on in these matches. WWE is still making sure you know it's empty. And it comes across vacant. And now they're talking, not talking, they're planning. And I think they need to cancel this. They're planning on their biggest event of the year, WrestleMania, being a two-day affair, some of it taped from the Performance Center in Florida and then some remote locations where I guess maybe you can do a street fight in the street or something in the woods or whatever. They're going to do WrestleMania with no audience. Folks, WrestleMania is all about the pageantry. It's all about 70,000 people. It's all about the spectacle. You can't make it feel big when it's that small. You can't do that in a TV studio in front of 20 people. And doing it over two days is going to mean half the roster is going to be there one day, half the next, which is going to limit exposure to COVID-19. And I understand the exposure argument. I'm not saying put fans in there. I'm saying cancel the daggone show. Postpone it. Do whatever it is you have to do. Do it later in the summer. There is no way that it's going to feel right. And you've got people that have worked their entire lives for these moments. Drew McIntyre, who was let go after he was brought in to be like the anointed one and wasn't ready for it, and they pushed him too fast, and then they lost faith in him, he had to claw his way back. He's wrestling Brock Lesnar, and maybe he's going to win the championship, and he's going to do it in front of no fans. And then you've got you know Rhea Ripley coming from the developmental territory. You've got Shayna Baszler, who will be in her first real high-profile match in terms of a WrestleMania, to be sure, against Becky Lynch. You're paying Goldberg to be there to wrestle Roman Reigns. You've got The Undertaker and AJ Styles. You've got all these big matches. John Cena is on this show. This is a WrestleMania show in terms of trying to bring in all the star power. Rob Gronkowski hosting the thing. But it's going to be in front of nobody. And you're going to ask people to watch that. And it's not going to be the groups, the throngs of people that usually get together to watch these things. Like you watch an event like this, a lot of times you're in a room with 30 or 40 people. Maybe you get together for a party or maybe at least you got 10 or something. You're probably maybe with your family now and that's about it because you're being urged to social distance. You're not having these giant parties. Sitting there and watching empty 
arena wrestling matches for seven or eight hours over a two-day span without that crowd that can distract you, that's an undertaking. And I think it's a mistake. AEW has shown you can do this on TV and have fun with it and make it look like a show and do it the right way. But WrestleMania needs to be canceled. WWE still hasn't figured out how to handle this yet. The only thing they've gotten right so far for an entire show, at least for an hour of a show, was what they did on Wednesday night when they basically ran a documentary of a three- or four-year feud that is supposed to culminate in a match that now we don't know exactly when it's going to take place, but they gave you a history lesson. They have so much of a vault, so much of an archive, and so much talent in their production teams. That's the kind of stuff you should be doing right now. WrestleMania in an empty building? No thanks. I feel like that is asking too much of an audience. It's just going to feel small. And those matches, the effort, and especially some of those superstars and the moments that they deserve and have worked so hard to get, they deserve better than this. We'll be right back with another recommendation from the bunker to finish this up. This is the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Finishing up another edition of the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jay Martin here in Nashville on Twitter at JMartZone. Chris, Eric, Brian, the trifecta. You've heard from them plenty. I'm about to ask them another question. I'm on Twitter at JMartZone. You can find me there. We are finishing up each hour with a recommendation from the bunker. That is something that you can stream or maybe you can rent or purchase from your couch. That's not going to be canceled. That if you are stuck inside that you can watch. And I gave you Too Funny to Fail in the first hour. A Hulu documentary on the failure of the Dana Carvey show from 1996. Which is really entertaining and informative. I gave you pretty much anything Taika Waititi has been associated with in the second hour. What we do in the shadows. The television adaptation. Um... FX first season is available on Hulu. Second season it's supposed to premiere in April. It may get pushed back, but it's ten episodes to catch up on that. It's just awesome. It's basically mockumentary vampire living in Staten Island for vampires, and it's really, really, really entertaining. It's dry. It's dark, but it's also absurd. So it gives you a good balance, and. Now, instead of giving you mine, I will here in a second, but what do you guys watch this week? You still doing the Nat Geo documentaries, Eric, or oh, have you moved on to something yeah, else? Yeah, that's my day-to-day life, man. I can't get enough of nature, animal planet, stuff like that. We actually have, uh, I think it's Wonderstock or something up here, some BBC stuff in studio um, getting me through the night. But HBO Go right now, so it's not really binge binging mm-hmm. kind of thing with you know mass amounts of episodes, but HBO Go right now has three classic sports movies to get anybody looking for any kind of sports, get their fix. They have Space Jam, Dodgeball, and D2, the Mighty Ducks, nice. available on HBO Go right now. So I've cycled through all those once already. Probably go through again this week sometime. Chris, you doing some anime stuff? What are you watching? Yeah, I, I'm still trying to finish up Castlevania. I didn't get a lot of time to finish oh, it. Yeah. But uh, the one show, it is on Amazon Prime. I've watched about half the season so far. I, I know about the manga, the, the comic book it's based on. It's called... Vinland Saga. It's on Amazon mm. Prime. It's it's only subtitled, but it's about Vikings. It's a uh, it, it's a I I can't do it justice talking about it. It's it's about fatherhood. It's about the cycle of violence and trying to escape that. It's it's kind of based in you know the Viking invasion of England. There's it's it's a very 
it was a very popular uh, comic book, and now it's a it's a fantastic animated show. It's it punches well above its weight. I cannot recommend it enough. I have like four more seasons to go. I'm um, four more episodes to go wow. in this current season, and um, I, I I I almost want to write something on it. Just I am become a huge fan of the show. Vikings and it's already outdated because they have to find a way to scratch out Stefan Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a dad joke in the final minute of the show. And I, I don't know why I felt the need to go there, but for whatever reason, I felt the need to go there. Um, Ozark will hit Netflix on Friday, the third season. They have sent me that. So I've got 10 episodes of that and 10 pieces to write before Friday because I'm going to hopefully have all that ready to just be like, boom, as you finish, here they are. Westworld first episode i was really not a fan just feels like a completely different show but i am writing on that and better call saul and i was going to give you another one but you know what i'll save it for next week we'll we'll roll with the nat geo documentaries and the three uh sports movies available on hbo as well so there's there's a lot out there no question about it but we got a lot of shows to do and we got a lot of recommendations for the bunker watch too funny to fail on hulu you will love that documentary i'll talk to you next week at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.